I'm not an actor. I don't, I don't have a title for this one, so I'm just going to read it. <clears throat> 144,000 tramps and hobos celebrating degeneracy in the face of Twitter nords. This is the future. Laugh or be left in the Apple store. Cutthroat, bleeding out waves, rising and falling like the cycles of June. Alright, so first of all, <laughs> let's, let's undress the Manson quote. Because it's, it's sick as hell. And we were talking about it earlier, and I thought, at least for me, it's it's the most dense line in the poem and an awesome way to begin it. So I want to yeah. kind of know its its roots in, in our theme, pop culture, and in the poem itself. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, Charles Manson's, like, I, I guess I'm, like, sort of conflating him with, like, the later mentioned, like, Twitter Nords with just people that kind of reject, I guess, like, I guess their view of pop culture's influence on society today is, is, is one that's very negative, and that's something I disagree with very strongly. So that's kind of, like, I don't know, I guess I'm sort of mocking them for the first few lines, or really the entirety of the poem. Hmm. Interesting. So, I'm so curious it, about um, what what do you think their reason for hating pop culture and what your defense of it is? I think it's just um, I think it's just like I think most of it is born out of like fear of change, which is a very human thing. But you know, human like. Ever since, like, the advent of the internet, ever since, like, the technological boom of the 90s, things have been changing a lot faster than they ever have been. And, you know, there, there's that book, Future Shock, which kind of talks about the idea of, like, eventually things will reach a point where, th- where things or cultures evolving so quickly that the human brain can never adapt to it, living in a perpetual state of future shock. And I think that's kind of a product of that, especially for older people, because, like, People like us kind of grew up around that, or we were kind of born after that already started, so we were, were a little better acclimated to it, arguably. So I think that's a big part of it, is just like, just not being with the times, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess that, that relates to one of my, one of the first things that popped into my head hearing it was, um, and especially hearing your description was how people hate change mostly because where am I going with this thought, dude? I'm so out of my head today. <laughs> it's all it's all good. It's you know, there's like the tiring days up to Christmas. So it is. I've been working on this Kwanzaa documentary from like <laughs> sun up to sundown. I'm up to my neck in Kwanzaa. I'm up to dude. my neck like Talisla Trek. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I wanted to, one thing that I really want to touch up on is that I think it's like to laugh or be left in the Apple store. Yeah. And so I kind of have an interpretation of it, of it kind of being those, those kind of being a duality to laugh or be in the Apple store of kind of, you know, individuality and in this kind of uh, like, I guess, 
all all encompassing cultural awareness versus conformity but i'd like to really know your take on really what exactly that means because you obviously wrote this that is that is a really interesting read on it and i think it's really close to what what i intended which is kind of like um like i guess like the apple store i've always viewed as a sort of like I don't know, it's a very sterile place, you know? Like, that's kind of, like, Apple's whole aesthetic is, like, the minimal white see-through glass or whatever. And it's something that I've always found, like, hospital-like or eerie. And just something about, like, bleeding out in that environment is something that's so haunting to me. And, like, I guess, like, where the laughter plays into that is, like, the only way you'll you'll learn to live in this kind of ever-changing world is to be adaptable and not take yourself too seriously otherwise you'll get too caught up in your head and Mm -hmm. you'll be stranded you'll destroy yourself you know that's a that's actually a pretty powerful message i think a lot of people especially they you know they really take themselves too seriously and they end up miserable and i mean i feel like we've all kind of been through that where we get you know we take ourselves a little too seriously and it's it sucks. <laughs> I think I see the connection now with the beginning of the poem about like the 144 tramps and hobos celebrating degeneracy on Twitter. Because in that same context of the only way to adapt to the constant changing and I guess Apple trying to convince us that they're the future as well as constantly shifting the ground underneath you is to just try to become counterculture. And when pop culture is futurism you just kind of have to become animalistic yeah that that's a really that that's that's a really good read on it that's kind of like i kind of had that in my head and I, I didn't feel like it came through in the writing but i'm really glad I got that out of it because that was something i was thinking of but i felt like i failed to convey it that's i i feel like that's something that we've kind of embraced in a way i feel like primality has always been something very intriguing to all the three of us and just kind of wilding out is something that's very compelling and i think that maybe that kind of stems from this this fear of being absorbed (laughs) Mm. um and i think that really goes out to a lot of people a lot of people who want to break the mold and who are really just sick of the the chains if yeah. that makes any sense i think um jumping off that this socratic seminar ass discussion that we're having <laughs> i um i think everybody once you reach a certain age we especially like us we've really learned to kind of love primality but i think past a certain age everybody learns to recognize it and see how it seeps through and and or just has developed into polite culture and how you equate like baring your teeth and beating your chest at someone with like staring them down and um i don't know just like really passive aggressive workplace attitude you know yeah interesting and so i think trying to celebrate that while also being constrained to it is the heart of what we're talking about. Definitely. Yeah. I really like the song Hacker by Death Grips. 
<laughs> I was listening. I was listening to it on the on the way home, just like a m- minute before I fucking joined this group. So nice. It came on shuffle. And I was like, oh, yo 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 yo. George, do you yeah. want to read or should I? Um, how long's yours? How, how's it looking? Mine's like. Mine's like a page and a half. Mine is a stream of consciousness. Terrorized right, love letter. Mine's a a, a fairly size a, a fairly bite sized dialogue. So what do you think? What's what what are you playing it by? You can go for it. Okay. Alright. So so this piece is just kind of like a small dialogue, um, if you want if you if you could call it that. Um, of this world so disjointed from pop culture or really to the point where it's, it's kind of weird and it, it kind of stands out as something bizarre, which is very contrasting to just kind of how it bleeds into everything. And places like this, and obviously this is a very like extreme version of it, but places like this really do exist in the world where pop culture really doesn't have the same effect and so this is called some shit on tv slash over my shoulder i know he'd be troubled the moment i saw the skeleton maiden decal on the side of his truck i looked over my shoulder to the sound of a laugh track that's happy days strung out on the floor fuck you daryl looking through his cabinets fuck you and fuck death did you know you could buy a suppressor for five hundred dollars daryl Blood pooled up in his cold palms and fled from in between his fingers. So that's that's the poem. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> cool. Wowee. No, I really liked it. I'm shocked because we wrote kind of similar stuff. Really? Yeah. Um, I really liked the line about the skeleton decal and uh, happy days. Because even though this world Thank is you. so detached from pop culture, the pop culture becomes such a base of a cultural foundation that eventually it seeps everywhere. Yeah. Uh, the old stuff still exists and becomes commonplace. Well, it's just replaced. It's like Rome. It's like a city building on top of itself over and over. Yeah. You know, like, a, like, a, like moss in between the cracks of pavement kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, what did you What did you intend with the blood pooling in his palms line? So, if I were to if I were to outright say it, so what happens is he kill he kills this Daryl character, and a lot of it really has no meaning to us, but it's it's fairly symbolic. It's I, I kind of put multiple perspectives in it because it's not only this idea of being disjoined from media, but also being a slave to pop culture has always been this thing that kind of scares me as someone who almost to a fault tries to, to, to avoid falling into, I guess, a crowd of, like I, I, I pride myself almost too much with trying to be an individual and it's gotten to a point where I'm almost afraid of it. Mm. And so, it's kind of um, a killing of of that identity of 
of it's it's a death of immersion from pop culture and um the the whole part with the suppressor is 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 kind of from like two different like things i was in best buy the other day um i was picking up a christmas gift and um for a while before going up to the to the register to check out i was just staring at the hd tvs like all stacked up on the wall and they had like fractals on them and shit. It looked pretty cool actually. But um, I don't know. One of them stood out to me, and it just had it was uh, it had a really weird graphic on it. But it was five hundred dollars, and I remember this conversation with a guy um, that I knew, and he had a suppressor um, for for a gun. And I, I always thought it was weird because I always heard that like no one buys them because they're they're pretty fucking illegal. Like if you get caught with that, it's significantly more of a crime than just the gun. And he, he the, the the first thing he said was that it was five hundred dollars. And wow, there was there was something there's something to me that that really stood out with that. There was this weird connection in my head because in a sense, it just feels like pop culture and all that can really be a suppressor i guess <laughs> which is like that's, so that's a, that's a dumb shit but no that's great in a way advertisement is pop culture as well it's just that base knowledge of what's yeah. going on that we all walk around with it's and crazy to me to think that he bought a suppressor for five hundred dollars i know there's no reason to buy a suppressor if you're buying a suppressor you're gonna murder <laughs> it's the yeah only that's reason that's to have it i like i think about it fairly often and that that's kind of the connecting thing like it sometimes will just loop back from random things that i wouldn't expect but yeah um no the i've always had this weird correlation between death and pop culture and so it kind of naturally bled out through this poem i think that i think that comes through very clearly like my read of the whole thing is like I mean, I'm projecting a bit for sure because, like, like you said, um, you, you kind of mentioned like the fear of like pop culture sort of enveloping one's own identity, and that's something that I, I kind of am afraid of myself. And I see this as like somebody that has that same paranoia, lashing out at, or I guess projecting those feelings onto somebody else, you know, personified as this Daryl, and you know the skeleton decal just kind of like i guess like foreshadowing their death and like i don't know the idea of it being on a pickup truck and like a place i guess like cut off from like pop culture on a on a greater scale just kind of like and the and the suppressor like symbolizing like you know being the same cause as a tv sort of conflating the two as like a slow silent death that nobody else will really notice because it's so gradual you know it's like this really slow decay i guess yeah it, that's a fucking great like interpretation of it it's it's kind of this 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 slow death of individuality and it's silent there's no screaming there's not even pain necessarily it's just it just occurs yeah so i think yeah. that i think it's time to move on <laughs> All right, man. To the big jalopy. Um, 
I requested the topic of pop culture because I've had it in my head for about probably a little over a year now, maybe a year and a half, that I wanted to make a movie about 6 9 I think if I wrote a movie about 6 9 Martin Scorsese would direct it. <laughs> it's, um, he's like, he's an American supervillain. He feeds into that image, but it's so like obviously based on some huge insecurity and need for attention that he has. And I'm just so fascinated by that. And so I never wrote the story. I never wrote the um, the movie. <laughs> I don't want to spend that much time thinking about 6 9 But I, I requested the topic of pop culture because I at least wanted to write a poem about him. And then I couldn't even write that. So last night, sitting, trying to write the poem, I just kind of dream of consciousness spewed a page and a I guess two pages and uh, an eighth. Not even of poetry, just of words. So... It's called Here is My Takashi 69 Poem. It's a Friday night and the world is ravaged by disease. 1.6 million people are dead, so I reheated a frozen pizza and I'm drinking cream soda from a plastic cup, in which there are also six ice cubes. Not cubes, per se, some kind of hedron. Imperceptible sides, around 14 less than infinity, I'd bet, down to the molecular level where we decide sides at the very base of a curve, where the line between two atoms becomes straighter than an arrogant jawline. But I'm getting off topic. I scroll up on the page to see where I had started my poem about infamous rapper Takashi 69 My favorite line was the first and also half of the lines I wrote. 3 a.m. and the semi-trucks have borrowed a raccoon bravery to prowl and huff pain in illegal alleys, Bushwick, New York. I remember reading that Danny, I'll refer to him by his birth name for brevity, watched as his stepfather, who I'll refer to as dad for brevity, was shot and killed outside of his apartment in Bushwick. I think about the anorexic branch of my neighbor's oak tree that wrapped against my window nightly until they cut it down. I would always close my eyes and imagine a ghost or some sort of malevolent spirit desperate for attention. I'm tired of writing this sentence and I don't expect it to go anywhere. I'm getting very good at knowing myself in that way. We're on a first name basis and second base, meaning hand job, not oral. Although I lose our fights more often than not. Is this entertaining? I just read it back to myself. I suppose I'm at a point in this letter, is it a letter, where I should figure out who I'm writing to. Takashi, I almost forgot you were there. Please, sit down. No, not on the chair. Not the rug, either. Can you sit on that patch of hardwood? It'll be easiest to clean. Besides, you're sopping wet, and... Is that a spider? Aren't you afraid it'll bite you? No, you're afraid to die, too. That's just something guys who are terrified of dying tell other people to make themselves believe it. You can't conversationally dropkick your fears from reality. I just had a thought, Takashi. You'll have to stop yelling. I want to chase this one with a penknife so I can whittle it down to a basic truth about myself, or at least one I can convince myself of. I was 13, Daniel. I was on a road trip from three stalks of corn to a patch of trees between two mountains. In the Great Plains arose a shining metropolis of industry. Silver silos and bustling dynamo in the gift shop. No, I don't remember the name. It was the largest publicly accessible cow farm in the Midwest, and boy did we access it, my family and I. They showed us a little movie about how the cows grow up in the green pastures they gleefully grazed and probably ate themselves to death in, hypothetically. The movie was animated and the land around us was brown. We even walked beside the traffic jam milking stations where the guide told us that some cows would even try to get milked twice because of how good it felt. It's weird to think that those sterilized hallowed halls where the paramount bovine population strolled and ate and were scrubbed for public viewing. Well, they were probably happy. They must be, right, Danny? They're the golden children that indicate the happiness of their brothers and sisters who squirt a scarlet pus into machinery not dissimilar from a maleenhancement.com penis pump. They'll probably have the best lives of them all. The cows, that is. 
I'm fairly certain that I'm happier than them. Or maybe you are. Have you talked to your daughter lately? I'm glad to hear it. Now I'm thinking about the other line I wrote. Did I tell you? I was going to write a poem about you. It was going to be somewhat ironic, all about how I loved you while actually hating you. A love-slash-hate thing. My grandparents have one of those. Anyway, the other line was, 7 a.m. almost overdoses on golden furniture, fake diamonds, spit shine the same, so try to cut your teeth, Los Angeles, you know where it is. I also wrote on a post-it note, 6-9, your conservative think piece. No, I won't kiss you. I was joking about the love thing. Maybe. I don't know. You fascinate me. If there was a modern equivalent to the Beatles, you'd probably be higher on the top 40 than them. No, I won't kiss you. Are you drunk? I read online that you overdosed on weight pills mixed with McDonald's dollar menu coffee, and I wish I could have been the one to make that up. I guess I'm jealous of you. No, I won't kiss you. I know you won't kill yourself, at least not if I close my eyes. You wouldn't breathe if I didn't pay attention to you. What did you do with the spider? Is it in my bed? Fuck you, dude. I hope whenever you find your soul, the moths have eaten through the jersey number. There's a lot. There's a lot to fucking talk about there. Um, okay. Um, I guess, like, focusing on 6 9 because I feel like there's a... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but, I feel, you know, you mentioned being a stream of consciousness. I feel like a lot of it is kind of not related to him, which I feel like is the point in a big way because, like, I guess it's... The way I read it is, like the idea of 6 9 being s- such a creature that's so dependent on, like, the attention given to him, you know? A- anybody that criticizes his music will say that it's secondary to a social media standing, and he's always doing stunts to keep the public eye interested in him. Even just look at the guy. Like, he, he yeah. wants to turn heads, and that's what he feeds off of. And it kind of feels like you're denying him that for the for most of the poem, especially towards the dialogue near the end, you know, where you keep insisting that you will not kiss him. Yeah. Yeah. What really fascinates me about him and what I think he did that basically won. <laughs> he won. He's a celebrity as it can be. He's pop culture personified. He's a, he's a captain of industry. He figured out exactly what he needed to do to push everything to the max to become like one more than every other outlandish celebrity. I literally cannot think of a way he can be topped. And circling back to my uh, original point in this sentence before I got way off of it, um, it, it always feels like no matter what you say about him, if you're talking about him, he wins. He feeds off the hate. He talks about how he doesn't give a shit about the haters. He plays into it. He trolls people who hate him. And he loves people who love him. He just desperately wants to give off the appearance that he's above everything, despite being so obviously desperate for everything. And so, I don't know. I like the image of him just being somebody that you could talk to as if he wasn't an image. And then denying yeah. him those simple pleasures that his his deity-like persona wants. Is that kind of like, I don't know, the the multiple times you bring up that you won't kiss him, that's kind of what you just said or that's kind of the meaning behind that mm. i take it i i wanted um i re i really like the last line um i i want you to repeat it for me about the what did you do with the spider is it in my bed fuck you dude i hope whenever you find your soul the moths have eaten through the jersey number so 
that that last line i i, I like the, i like the spider part first of all but Thanks. the the part that that i kind of don't understand is the jersey number on the soul mm-hmm. um and I, i'm i'm like slowly kind of scoping it i would say i take i take a lot of like time and i'm like a bit patient with myself when it comes to analyzing things mm-hmm. but i kind of that's that that that's a compelling line to me and i kind of wish to know the jersey number of a soul I was well. It's sixty nine. <laughs> well, um, no, I'm kidding. I wasn't. I wasn't super certain about what I, I felt. It kind of what Syed was talking about as well. That line just kind of came to me, and I took a minute with it. Um, I think my the, my thought behind. Oh, sorry. How I or actually no, continue, and no, then I'll kind of give me, you my interpretation. You so. Okay, so how I kind of think about it. So you said the number six nine, was for, was that a joke or was that like? <laughs> Maybe it would be. I think how I kind of um, see it. If a soul has a jersey number, he's desperately trying to make everybody think think his is six nine. Yeah, so I, how I kind of see it is a jersey a jersey number. You know, is a recognizable bit. That's something mm-hmm. that like people identify. You know, everyone knows. Their favorite basketball players jersey number you know people people's basketball numbers their their jersey numbers sorry <laughs> get known mm-hmm. and like you said he kind of craves on this identity and stuff like that and uh to, to kind of go to the moths um moths are kind of an afterthought i don't really think that people think of moths there's these silent nightly creatures that, that slowly but surely devour and i mean like when I was a kid, I, I had to deal with like moths like slowly eating through my clothes and shit. And I, it, it's it's never like they completely like ravage through your fucking wardrobe. They they just make tiny holes, but at some point it gets too much. And how I kind of see it is, as he as he milks the world and he really becomes pop culture, the the moths, the silent devourer if you will slowly eats away at his soul which is his true self and at some point you know he's not uh is it daniel his real mm-hmm. name he's not like he's not daniel anymore he's he's six nine that's awesome i love that i love the yeah idea. That, that's a really really good read on it that's that's fucking awesome that's really good I thank that you one. i <laughs> I was gonna let you finish. Throckmorton's delusion, <laughs> and then there was, and then there was Throckmorton's delusion. Um, but aside Dude, from that, his jersey number is TD. That's not a number; those are letters. <laughs> you fucking buffoon! Oh no! Well, I, I got this problem where I think that numbers and letters are the same. It's this disease called Throckmorton's delusion. <laughs> oh, did I have that too? I like associate certain like numbers with letters. Like say say like a single digit letter and I'll tell you what number pops in my head. H. I was eight. gonna say H. Either eight <laughs> or five. They're both like hot letters to me and H is like a hot letter. Yeah. So also Wait, I have one more question about the cows. <laughs> I have a question about the cows. Yeah? First of all, did you really see these cows? I did see these cows. This happened when I was a kid. That's there cool. was this whole um, 
amusement park style like tour around this uh cow farm where all of them were clean the floors were spotless they all looked really happy you could pet the cows that were going through the milking station it was called fair oaks farms and they actually got sued a couple years ago for like horrible animal abuse <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say that sounds like a load of bullshit <laughs> yeah dude the, um, the guy talking about how the cows love being milked and i would try and get it get it twice a day shut the fuck up <laughs> i um, believed it i was like yeah i'm sure i would believe that too if i heard it as a kid you really want to believe that kind of shit as a kid you know mm-hmm. yeah like like brown cows being chocolate cows and shit like that so was was there some sort of symbolism or meaning behind that or was it to 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 strategically divert the conversation away from Takashi in order to to undermine him and defeat him. Yeah, it was a little of both. It was both the, the like the fairly I think rundown symbol of people being cows and just mindlessly going through these stations where they're given entertainment or whatever. They need yeah. just mindless animals, but also just making him, <laughs> just having him yelling at me in my apartment of all places. This random apartment that he has no business being in while I talk about some random childhood memory. I feel like would infuriate him. But I think um, the core of it for me really was that as I was trying to think about him, all that it would come back was this memory of the cows, and I could never quite figure out why. Interesting. I have another question about the cows. Mm-hmm. You mentioned like you, you sort of like compare the milking apparatus to one to a penis pump. What what, what what's that all about? Well, <laughs> what's going on here, Matthew? First of all, I think the machinery is probably more or less the same. Second <laughs> <laughs> of all, I mean. <laughs> It works for them, it works for us. But yeah, the idea that we're just going through these entertainment stations or making ourselves happy, getting scrubbed down for public viewing, while also getting horribly abused, probably being incredibly unhappy, is both Takashi <laughs> trying to make everybody look at him as this golden calf, this creature that is entirely happy, doesn't give a shit, while obviously like being a miserable person who has to look at himself in the mirror. As well as everybody it's like just a, going through that. Sorry? He's a self-reflective Brahmin. He is. He's the penis pump. It's just about as much pleasure <laughs> as possible. Draining it all out. You know, Takashi, Takashi, the way you've, the way you've sort of like analyzed him here, he kind of reminds me of Throgmorton in the way that he's diluted himself into what he really is. <laughs> <laughs> and scene <laughs> that's a rap that's a rap oh man dude fuck Takashi 69 he's a pedophile yeah th- dude yeah. <laughs> it felt so weird talking about him like this but it was really fun <laughs> and it was really good 